0: Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people, having a laugh and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. In this second part of a two-part podcast, I'm delving deeper into the eventful life of Ambrose Mendy. In part one, we chatted about racism in sport, his involvement in the prison riots, and his experiences of discrimination as a black man in the 70s and 80s London. If you haven't heard it yet, please make sure you go back and give it a listen. In this part, we talk about the world of boxing, Nigel Benn, the unsolved shooting of Frank Warren, the promoter, and the time Ambrose took Paul Lynch's medical at Man United and passed. He also shares stories about Michael Jackson, George Michael, and hiring a tent to host one of the biggest fights in British boxing history. We join the chat just as Ambrose is leaving prison and emerging as a big name in sports management. Here he is again, Mr. Ambrose Mendy. So this, this move on there, you've been in there for four years in the prison, you've learned a hell of a lot. When you come out, you've now become one of the biggest sports agents in the country. Tell us tell us what angle you saw to become a sports agent. Because I'd imagine back then there wasn't very many sports agents. Tell us the people you had on your books and how you got them.
1: John Fashionu, Justin Fashionu, um, Paul Ince, Nigel Ben, Lloyd Hannigan, Errol wow. Christie, wow. Um, the Manchester United squad. For the European Cup Winners' Cup final, Nigel Benn, Did you actually did you manage him? I managed Nigel, yeah, of course, yeah. Across across a, a chunk of his career, he was managed by Frank Warren.
0: Yeah, are you um, mates with Frank.
1: Frank and I haven't spoken for thirty odd years. He was my best man when I got married. You're joking me? Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. Why did you, why are you not speaking? We had a court case over
1: Nigel Bent. Tell me about that. So, who had him first? What happened? Frank did. I worked together with Frank yeah. for three, four years. I handled handled sponsorships, uh, PR, etc., etc., etc. And it's fair to say, I mean, we've known each other for a, a number of years, a, a long time. I used to play football in the same team as your brother. Um, if I'm labouring a point here, I am, um, because Frank maintains that he bumped into me one day in the street and I said to him, look, I'm getting married. Why don't you be my my best man? (laughs) When I got married, um, 300 people sat down at St John at Hackney Church. And uh, Frank was my best man. He did a marvelous job. We obviously videoed it. And uh, yeah, he he played the role really well and everything else. Um, But I went on holiday to the Seychelles, come back from holiday. Uh, Frank had, I was away for three weeks. He decided that he wanted to move on, which was fine by me. What move on? Like you were business partners, were you working for him or with him? Frank signed a number of fighters, and then up amongst them was Nigel Benn. Down the road, um, Nigel approached me. We had a mutual friend. Jake Paneo to own Brown's nightclub in Covent Garden. Yeah. So Jake set up a meeting. I went to the meeting, and lo and behold, there's Nigel. And he, he was none too pleased, he said he, he decided he didn't want to be represented by Frank anymore. Do um, you a reason for that? Money. 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 Okay. Yeah. Not enough money. Too much money was being earned, and not enough money was showing itself as invoiceable. Yeah. Wow. So, what? what? So So yeah. So what, what is this about then, Nigel? Well, I want you to. Represent me. So I said, Listen, let me go and speak to Frank. Let me go and speak to him and maybe we can resolve this. He said, And what? What's I said, Then, you know, he can carry on representing. No, 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 no. Nope. I'd rather give up boxing. No, I don't want, I don't, I, 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 there is no way I'm going to be represented by him. None. I introduced him to the lawyer, uh, Henry Brandman who is West Ham's lawyer and they got on with it about four days later i st- i can't remember where i was i was i was in a restaurant in the city somewhere and a guy was walking it's obviously he's going to bump into me and instead he put a piece of paper on my chest it was a obviously a, a court order and it said that i shouldn't interfere in any way shape or form go nowhere near talk about or whatever nigel bent to be honest i was disgusted i thought hang on a second this guy was my best man i tried to play this the correct way and now i get this bollocks so i did what you would do i picked the phone up and found him you know frank what the fuck are you playing at Mm. Uh, i don't want to talk about i want to don't want to talk about you fucking interfered with him i said really okay do what you do whatever you're gonna do and the next moves up to you this is what he's saying so I got a legal team that was just the canine's testicles yeah. the dog's bollocks yeah. honestly I kid you not yeah. the court was in recess Frank had very cleverly and timed the the issuing of that order on the the cusp of the court going into recess which it does at, at least annually yeah so I sent Nigel away to Portugal with, with um, his missus and the kids and everything else. So at that
0: time, Nigel was, was, was with you, whatever.
1: No, it, well, it, this is what, yeah, professed undying love, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Again, it came to that thing of trust. Yeah. You know, that there, there was no secrecy. It was an open book and everything else. But I would have, I even say to this day, I, I would have, had he allowed me to, I would have persuaded them to, to repair the relationship because, Boxing does get like that. Yeah. And I, and I, although I knew about the machinations of boxing, I had no clue as to the antipathy what I was setting about doing was going to incur. Yeah. I hadn't, if I thought it was on a scale of 20, if I thought it was three, it was 18, 19, off the scale. Off the scale. So, I never got any threats from anybody because I'm not the per- type of person that you threaten anyway, mm. and I'm not the type of person to threaten people. Yeah. So we were going to play this straight down down the middle. Surprisingly, or well, that's what Frank would have felt or thought. We won the rights to overturn the injunction that, that Frank had had put on me, mm. and worse. For Frank, the judge ordered that, that Nigel Ben be adjoined to this case. So it meant at at, at that stroke, Frank had c- completely done himself in the foot. Yeah. It, there was no return. Yeah. He, there was no way he could now represent Nigel. But nevertheless, a trial hearing date was set. We had it. Um, it was a landmark case. This wasn't just on boxing, it was on football, it was on cricket, it was on croquet, it was on darts, you name it, it was boxing. So that set the standard, did it? Set the standards, and people who used that case President Ricky Hatton, Joe Kelzagi, Frank Bruno, obviously Nigel Benn, Michael Watson, they were all able to do it. It meant that you can't make a singer sing, you can't make a, a, a dancer dance. Yeah there you there are compensation issues of course if a court deems that somebody was abusive in a situation they could they're fully entitled to
0: and you haven't spoke to frank warren for 30 years because of this
1: 31 years wow would you ever would you ever speak to him i might be some things in life but i'm not ignorant if my kids bump into to him he's courteous he says hello we did sit this far apart at um, well, what we still call a League Cup final, and met with, with Arsenal Man City about three years ago, this distance mm. apart. Did you clock each other? Did
0: you acknowledge
1: or...? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be ignorant, mm. you know. I'm not saying it's a developed conversation, but um, it is something that should have, should have resolved itself ages ago. You know, during that time... Um, frank was shot you know it still remains a mystery to this day do you know who shot him no quite simply and you know people have their guesses and everything everything else terry marsh was arrested arraigned yeah. for him and he was arrested thinking that he was the one who shot frank he was arrested on that basis oh, okay. in fact we were I was with him when he was arrested we were coming back from from um atlantic city not nigel had fought atlantic city and terry came yeah. to have conversations with bob arum yeah the american boxing yeah, promoter, promoter yeah. terry was a the, the police came out from everywhere with this, the stuff was going around on the, the carousel yeah and terry ran in and came out and he was riding on the carousel you know you know just joking laughing yeah. and everything else and um then he promptly disappeared so cutting a long story short he was later charged he was in custody for for 10 months wow. a, awaiting trial and um, he was found not guilty well when the evidence showed that the weapon for example was an was an old thing that probably came from the, the second world war or whatever mm. Terry Marshall was a marine a, and a, a top rate five star marine mm. a, and and Whoever did shoot Frank Warren, even from a close up distance, never never achieved what he aimed for. Yeah. I can't imagine that a Marine
0: Marine would miss. No. Well, we'll missing the wrong place, yeah. Yeah.
1: It, it didn't make any sense at yeah. all. But then having said that, um Frank Uncle maintains he knows who it was who shot him. Has he mentioned that name
0: before? Who, who he thinks it who shot him?
1: Not in public, no. Okay. Not, you know, he said a couple of times that he was, he was going to, you know, read about it in the book. You know, it's never, to my knowledge, he's never mentioned it, and I'm yeah. sure it would have come to my ears one yeah. way, one way or the other. Mm. And um yeah, but going back, so no, I I agree. Now we win the court case. Yeah. Um. I uh, signed Nigel to <laughs> this is a, it's gonna take us on another chapter. Yeah. I signed Nigel to our uh, in house promoter yeah who is um, who was a guy by the name of Frank Maloney. Yeah. Now of course he's Kenny. Kelly Maloney. Yeah, yeah. He was a very loyal person to me yeah. in my challenge to the British boxing border control. Yeah. For whatever reason they were determined I should never be allowed to operate under their auspices, and of course, when after Nigel lost to Michael Watson, that fight, um, well, I won the purse bids, yeah. which is a process for deciding bouts. That's
0: how. So give me an example. What was? The, can you remember what the purse bid was and what you paid?
1: Yeah, 300, 320 thousand pounds. Um, two hundred thousand pounds to Nigel hundred and twenty thousand pounds to michael watson okay
0: and then the business model is you would take the risk on the venue and sell the tickets etc cetera, etc cetera, from there yeah it, but it yeah. went
1: but out of nowhere and these are the characters in boxing so with this fight for, for example we won the purse bid yeah so we're all elated and everything else yep. and we spent immediately get on to the royal albert hall get onto wembley empire pool and yep. um, we couldn't go to the london arena because it belongs to Frank Warren or consortium that he was with. And um, so I thought I phoned um, David Dean at Arsenal. Mm. And he had just made a commitment to lift, to relay the turf at, at Arsenal. Arsenal had just scored that Michael Thomas goal against yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah, the yeah. week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so it was like, what are we going to do? Anyway, I had a really good friend and somebody who was always, always loyal to me. The, the late um, Labour MP Bernie Grant, mm. um, he heard on the six o'clock news, the sports section that that purse bids had been announced and we'd won the the right to bid. Um, so where's the? I want to go to that fight, man. Where's the? T- where do we get the tickets from? So I said, well, to be honest, I don't know at the present moment because there's venues I was relying on, they've said that that they can't be booked. Yeah. So he said, um, well, why don't you put it on in Finsbury Park? He was the MP for Harringay <laughs> so, so I said, I suppose it rains. He said, well, get a tent. I said, I thought, fuck, you know, hang on. He's the MP. <laughs> I'm the entrepreneur. <laughs> and he's telling me. I he, said, he, let, let, yeah. you know, Bernie, I'll phone you back. At that miracle moment, I was driving through Wanstead Flats in in East London. And there was a a circus on, but they came from Belgium. So I said, how many people does this tent hold? He said, about 4,000. So I thought, oh, bollocks. (laughs) He said, "Uh, "Why are you looking for a bigger one? I said, yeah. He said, how big? I said, maybe 10, 12,000. He said, "Uh, give me a number. I'll find somebody. So I phoned the guy up. And he said that this tent can hold between ten and 14,000 people. Um, it will cost you £40,000 for it to be brought over, erected, dismantled, and taken away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought, well, it was like, well, let's call it on. You know, we'll get it on. Anyway, the next day, we had a press conference lined up all these sneaky little snidey, horrible people who knew that going into the press conference, I wasn't going to be able to announce a date. This was the point where you got the most publicity. The the first announcement, and then you got to wait till the final week and it drip feeds. Bernie Grant phoned me. I phoned him the next day. He said, listen, people have contacted the offices here and said that, you shouldn't allow this um, hire to go on. You won't get paid. You won't get this. You yeah. won't get. That. I said, yeah. "Oh, Bernie, that's bollocks." Yeah. He, he said, "Okay, good. Now I'm going to take you around to the individual departments. So, you know, you're in <laughs> you're in the events in, industry. You know how important this is. Yeah. So we go in eight, nine different rooms. They stamp that, stamp that, stamp that. This is like four weeks' work. Yeah." you know done yeah and we then walked over to Finsbury Park where everybody was and said um gave people copies of the the uh, the order the confirmation and the boxing writers to be honest were relieved mm. you know it's a big fight yeah. michael watson nigel bear yeah. now massive. Yeah. massive it was wasn't it? and so but the others you know, the members of the, of the Board of Control were not so happy. Yeah. But nevertheless, a fight had to take place. Yeah. Come the fight, I always made sure that the very people who seemed to despise me were catered for and were looked after. Yeah. You know, do you have a son that wants to come or a nephew yeah. or do you want yeah. this, that and the other? Keep oh, straight. okay, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, fucking Al oh, Ambrose has, has got two eyes and two ears. It, it, of course, um, Nigel went on and lost the fight. Mm. Um, but there, there was a, a, were a couple of things that, that happened post the fight. You know, pre the fight, Nigel was so sure he was going to beat Michael Watson. Yeah, he couldn't lose. He could not lose. We tried lots of um, things to get under Michael's skin and this, that and the other. Anyway, of course, he lost. Fled the ring. That's one of the things that has not been spoken about. Let, left the ring. Got into the changing room, which was were super sized Winnie bagos, yeah. and um, it, when I got in there, he was like, "It's all gone. It's all fucked. All all the jewelry, all the birds, oh, all oh, the, all yeah. the cars, all the cars. <laughs> it's all gone. What you know? What are we gonna do?" I said, "Fuck me. We, we. I haven't heard we for two weeks, three weeks. All it's been is." First person single, the ID dying, thou mine, you know. And he's going, stop it, stop it, stop it, you know. I said, stop it. Listen, do you believe you can still be champion of the world? He said, yeah. I said, well, fucking get up. We're going back in the ring. And we did the whole ring entrance did you? again. It's just just all those soldiers, wow. you know, because Nigel was a member of mm. First Battalion, yeah. Royal Fusiliers. It is. We're going back in there. And what I did then psychologically was to to un, unplug the negativity mm. that that had surrounded itself instantly with Nigel, you know, the shame, the embarrassment he's told everybody to pile on, you know, betting wires and this, that and the other. How could he lose to Michael, to Michael what's I said, when you get in that ring, for fuck's sake, go and hug Michael.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, and, and look at the guy from NBC, because it's the only, it remains in history, the only British Commonwealth fight to be shown live coast to coast in the united states never never happened since ever not come close to it so anyway this kevin minor who was the lead anchor from nbc said nigel you know hey listen what happened we were told you were going to be the biggest thing coming to the states since the beatles and nigel looked in the camera and he's now talking to coast to coast america and said what happened I got my fucking ass kicked sorry, sorry. by him. Yeah, you know, go over and talk to him. Yeah, yeah. But let me tell you something. I'll be back. Yeah, you couldn't have fucking scripted it. Yeah. So of course, half of Christian America took this. You know, you dare, you know, utter profanities on. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it it got Nigel as a relief. Within forty eight hours, he was out in Miami, um, at a conference and we we just had a a road of fun mm-hmm. you know getting the best out of him by allowing him to be the best that that he could be it took you know a great relationship a great association that tent mm. went back on time but we gave over you might might cringe at this we gave over the rights because it, it had like 25 years 20 20 years it had, Prior to that license being granted, it hadn't been used as an oh. event. And the first people to pick it up were Suggs, Suggs Madness. Oh, right, okay. So Madness in the park, they, that's how it developed, that's ah. how it came about. Because that license got you 25 years. Got 25 Is years. That right? Yeah. Quality. We, so we surrendered the license yeah. back because Nigel was going to the United States. And, of course, he relocated to the United States for the next three years. But importantly, his next four five fights were in the United. Oh, were, no.
0: we're in the United Kingdom. Let me just go back to this Finsbury Park. What was going through your mind, Finsbury Park? Who was going to turn up to watch that fight? Because if I was sitting there as a promoter, i would think, oh God, there's going to be loads of different East London, North London, South London, all turning up. What happened that evening?
1: Okay, so let's. I'm glad you mentioned this. Mm. Let's go with what happened between. The, the, the date of the announcement, yeah. and the fight itself. I went round to northwest, southeast, central London, um, up the road, in in Birmingham, um, Manchester, Liverpool, Toxteth, Croxteth. Guys, come down and have a great time. Bring your missus, but. Fuck all can happen in here. Yeah, the police are declaring it a no-go zone, and it remains the 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 least incident on a Sunday night in that um, area was how that um, that was announced. You know, by the police in their reports afterwards, they had declared that they weren't going to police the area. Well, the old bill said we are not gonna police this. We're fight. not we're not prepared to police it.
0: Well they even though they said as a promoter you've got to give us fifty grand and yeah. we will or
1: they, they they said they were not gonna promote they said they are not gonna police it. They said wow. that from the beginning. Why? Fear? Fear without a shadow, without right? if you go back to, <laughs> to that period. So who signed it off? Just who
0: signed it off then? Because you've got to get the police to sign something. Like, or was it different back in the early nineties that the police didn't have to sign it off? No. This, this event.
1: What, what, we, what we did yeah. is brinkmanship. Absolute brinkmanship. With the events going on, you can see the tent, you can see the seating, yeah. see everything else. You can listen to all the test, pre-testings. And at the last moment, they put agreed to do front-end security, which... That's all we really needed which was just yeah. the front gate and we put security firms on the back gate. The, the fencing, you know, at Finsbury Park, you wouldn't want to climb over no, that. No, no, no. So, so it, it it kind of worked itself out. But t- t- I am a people person. Mm. I am great with friends. Mm. You know, friends tend to be great with, with myself. Mm. You know, I come from, as a, we, we said some time ago, mm. I come from a, a large family. Mm. And I think you learn, you know, behavior. You learn how to suffer the fact that you're not always going to get things the way that you want them. Mm. And that, and that's, that's my simple world, mm. so to speak.
0: Was there any aggro that evening? Before, no. after, during?
1: Not one single report Uh, whatsoever but there were some funny things i got i must tell you this we um we'd we'd we had to give up to we're working with um then john blake Mm. who was um ran the ad lib column in i think the evening standard and the sun Mm. it was it was carried over so we had everybody come into this you know it was anyone at the time um you, you know, um, Bross, mm. which I, I, I think which were the, yeah, <laughs> who were, they were like massive back then, weren't they? Massive yeah. is an understatement, yeah. yeah. And, um, George Michael, Dinah Ross. Oh, and by the way, leading into this fight, I took, um, Michael Jackson was on tour at the time, yeah. with the Who's Bad's tour. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he got, um, I got one of his posters, you know. The handbills that were being distributed, and I got a guy to create a negative, and superimpose Nigel's top half onto Michael Jackson's bottom half, (laughs) and the poster read, "Michael Watson, I'm bad, and you know it." So what happens? That go they go over on the Saturday, Saturday, ten days before, eleven days before the, the fight. They go up. On the Monday, get in the office, fucking cease and desist the order um, that, about my usage of this, that, and the other. And and so, who is this fucking idiot that sent this? So, we get together, go down to this, the office of the UK promoter that was in charge of whatever. Yeah. And um, so, Ian and I went into a room. Look, can I have a word? Fuck, listen. The, the fight's going to go on. Yeah. You you can't injunct this. Yeah. The most you're going to get is a few quid. Yeah. So what about coming to the fight? What what? Well, the tickets are five hundred quid. Supposing I give you five, six, six seats. On mm-hmm. in the end, they did it for four pairs of in a ringside front row. Yeah. Uh, certain people know this, but Michael Jackson came to the Finsbury Park, and what what had happened? We had northwest southeast raised plimps in the, the tent and and it was going who's bad who's bad who's bad who's bad, who's bad? <laughs> nigel ben's bad. Who's, yeah. bad who's bad who's bad who's <laughs> bad and so we we that tells you we had four active michael jackson looks look yeah. and the the real michael jackson sat away from the the press area but we told him, oh, he's, he's a lookalike. <laughs> 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 he's, a, he's a lookalike. But, yeah. it's, you know, obviously he's got to look good. And, and, and some of the photographers, I said to him, listen, take take photos of him, you know. Yeah. And they're going, fuck off. Yeah, that's not a real Michael Jackson. But there's one that's even better than that. We we get this lookalike in, looks like, at the last minute, George Michael, who was Jake Paniota's first cousin, yeah. George Michael said he couldn't come. Yeah. Um and we'd already briefed the media that, that in the media tent there's going to be photo opportunities with this person and that person it was all important to yeah. us, all yeah. important to us and um so somebody's going to uh, you know George Michael's got a problem he ain't, he ain't coming I thought oh, fuck me what can we do so I said listen what what about the um the lookalike is he any good and I went, so Peter Johnson, my friend, <laughs> and the security said, Am, he's fucking. I thought it was because he's used to seeing them at, at, at Browns. Yeah. I thought it was him. I said, hello. but And then he spoke. He sounded like Gracie Fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I said, listen, Pete, take him away. Just keep him away from the rest of the crowd. Don't let anyone talk to him. Yeah. And we'll just wing it. Yeah. You know, we'll just go, anyway, I'll go away, get on with whatever. 10 minutes later, the phone rings, Am. Um, He's fucking putting booze down his throat and this, that, and that. I said, look, just take him to the inner ringside area and fucking sit with him. Get two security to sit around him. He went, all right, you ain't listening to me, but all right, okay. Anyway, we go on. Fucking three minutes, five minutes later, I I get a, a, a call from the gate, and it was the checkpoint, so this was urgent. Anyway, will I come to the gate? I go to the gate. Fuck me! George Michael's turned up.
0: Oh, he did turn up
1: today. George Michael's turned up. <laughs> so, someone's gone to me. What? What, what about the other one? So I've, I quickly phoned Pete. I said, Pete, listen. The real George Michael's turned up. He said, What do you want me to do? With I said, Fucking throw the bus. Get him out. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Throw <"Fry> him out. Throw <laughs> him out. And and so the story goes. There are a couple of people who attest to having witnessed George Michael being physically thrown (laughs) out of of Finsbury Park. It was just, you couldn't make it up if you tried. Do you
0: you remember back in the day there how you promoted? And do you remember how much you turned over on that one event to to justify giving Nigel 200 and giving uh, Michael 120 grand how much did that event, co- the whole
1: thing cost to put on? Do you remember? Probably, it was somewhere in just over 400,000 pounds. Okay. This is um, 1989, mate, mate.
0: That's a lot of money, isn't it? It's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the story about Paul Lynch leaving West Ham going to
1: Manchester United. I want to know the truth. Okay, so, so one day I'm, I'm in a restaurant called the Phoenix Apollo in Stratford. It's all the players used to hang out. All the players yeah. used to hang out. <laughs> and... Um, I, I I'm talking to Tony Gal. He's you know, after the customer, ambush, get your drink. No, no, no I'm all right, he said, listen. Em, it don't turn around now. But there's a kid behind you. he is a quality, but he's flash bastard. <laughs> so I said, What are you telling me for? He said, Well you know, the way you are, see the way you are, you could probably you know, handle him you know, if it goes right, it's, it's great for everybody. So I walk over to Paul, who's standing there with Steve Potts and Ellen Devonshire, yeah. and the, the place is mopped, by the way. So I said, um, "Hello, lads. Um, Paul, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Can I, can I have a word with you a second? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Hey, should we go over there? No, let's just talk here. I said, "Well, he went. Listen, can I just say this? I ain't being funny." I've known you for 25 seconds. I've known them two half my life. What are you going to tell me that's secret from from them? And I thought, you fucking flashed. you, I felt about that big. <laughs> so, there, I said, no, listen, anyway, my name's Ambrose. He said, I know who you are. I definitely know who you are. So I said, well, listen, fuck, I can't go there. Maybe it's, the the environment or whatever, here's my card. Um, I'd like to be your agent. I'd like to represent you. And he went, "Yeah, fucking, I'm not into all them agents and all that business and this, that, and the other. Um, But I'll keep it anyway. And about a month later, I get a phone call. Um, It's somebody called Paul Ince on the phone. This is the, the PA in the office. So I said, oh, great. Hello, Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. And I said, well, so I how can I help you? What's, um, he went, well, you know, we, you gave me that card and you said about being an agent and everything else. I, I said, yeah. He said, yeah, well, you're my agent. I said, well, we need to meet up. He said, no, what we got to meet up for? I said, well, obviously we want to review your contract. Said, he said, no, no, I've just signed a four-year contract. I thought, fuck, what are you phoning me Mate, for? I've just missed it. You know? <laughs> so he said, um He said, listen, Lyle's like me dad. Well, everybody knew that anyway.
0: John Lyle, ex-Western manager. Yeah,
1: Lyle's like like me dad. And he would never put me wrong. Mm. So, you know, let, let's just go with this and see how it how it goes from there, you know. So I said, okay, yeah, that's a sensible way of thinking. And I knew like John Lyle was just the most marvellous, marvelous, marvelous mm. man. Mm. And um, <laughs> I said, all right, listen, uh, I'll meet you in the the Phoenix Apollo. We'll be, probably be in there the weekend or whatever. We'll be okay. No, no problem. Anyway, left it. Uh, spoke a few times about a boot deal that he had and this, that, and that. No, no problems whatsoever. Anyway, one day, out of the fucking blue, I get a phone call. I can't. I cannot even understand what's being said. All it's a load of squabbling and and obviously somebody was very very upset.
0: Yeah.
1: I quickly work out it's Paul Ince. Said Paul, "Fuck me, what's happened?" Mm. He said they've sacked Riley. Oh no! So what do you mean mm. sacked Riley? West Ham don't sack managers. Mm. Mm. They just move you upstairs. Mm. He went, "Well, they fucking sacked him." I said, have you spoken to him? He said, Yeah, I have. Yeah, he came to tell tell me. Obviously he's packing his gear and, and he's got he's got to move out. And I said, Stay where you where are you? I'm at um Tad Relief. I said, fuck, my office is on Tower Bridge. Wash. Yeah. Well, so Paul gave me John Lyle's phone number. I said, John, look, I can't believe this. He said, Ambrose, hey, be honest with you. I'm really surprised, you know. I I thought we could be doing better, but we looked like we were going to do better. I understand my players. I know. I said, listen, John, anytime, just give me a phone call or whatever. And he said, Ambrose, promise me one thing you'll look after. Um, he's a great kid. He's fiercely loyal and everything else. I don't know how he's going to take this, but, um, you know, you call me anytime. So go back to see Paul M, M, you know, Complete opposite from the Phoenix Apollo now. Mm. You know, you know, you've got to help mm. this, that, and the other. can't you go and tell Cairns, who was the, the chairman, the chairman yeah, yeah. can't you go and tell him, you know, like that he's gotta bring Lily back. All yeah. the boys will back it. They'll all they'll all So remember you're talking and when we were talking about the boys led by macca yeah. You know like Frank, Frank, Frank macca Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So, so I go to the training grounds and I I see Mac. and um, he said Ambrose, is it? Is it? It's true about Lyle. I said yeah, and also he's going into not He, he meant you're joking. I said no, he's he's going. He said he don't want to, he doesn't want to be there, and he had told me this. So I said, listen, Paul. You know, obviously you're gutted. He said, I oh, listen, gutted. If John Lyle ain't here, I don't fucking want to be here. I signed that contract for John Lyle, you know, and I never questioned it. I never asked for a penny more yeah. or whatever yeah. that, 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 that's, I've been straight and everything else, and that's how they're going to treat him. Yeah. No warning, no notice, no nothing. Fuck it. So I said, look, what do you want to do? I want to go to Man United. You know, do you think you could, you could get me to Man United? To be honest, I never even knew the dialing code for Manchester, mm. but I knew that, martin edwards dad louis edwards was a boxing promoter mm. of some standing you know the generation pr- prior to to myself so i phoned um um martin edwards who's his son who was the managing director yeah. and uh i said to him, no, my you know my name's ambrose ambrose mendy and um i represent paul lynx um john lyle was just being sacked so i said um well Paul is interested in you know he's look the other things in a few hours that we've we've been trying to get our heads around this and his idol is Brian Robson. So he's adamant he ain't playing for West Ham anymore unless they reinstate John Lyle. And if they if not, he said look, I'll get Alex Ferguson to phone you. About an hour later Fergie phoned. This kind of yeah. worked out to, I don't want to get into a a game of do, do or dare yeah. or whatever. Yeah. If the lad, I've known John Lyle for a long, long time. Mm. He was my mentor when I came to do my coaching badges. Mm. And um, we've gone on ever so well ever since. So I always made it clear to him that if ever Paul Lynch was going to be for sale, mm. I would be. Yeah. I'd like to be first in with a bid.
0: So he was still contracted at West Ham. Yeah, contracted. And then you were
1: speaking to Fergie about taking him to Man United. I was, I, yeah, I was, to, which, which of course you can do. Yeah. There's nothing, you can talk about selling me to some yeah. organisation or hiring my services to somebody else. When you come down to officially and be discussing anything, yeah. Unless you're an idiot, you'll do it with the with the, the clubs. Yeah. You'll make sure that you've got a connection both yeah. ends. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and they might just turn around and say, in any event, um, we'll give the player more money. The yeah. player will sack you, yeah. you know, because that's that's how it works. Yeah. It's not rocket science, mm-hmm. but that is how it works. Yeah. Anyway, so I decide let's get this thing in order. I phone Henry Brandman, who is the the West Ham lawyer, now, today. Yeah. Um, but at the time was my my lawyer and also represented Paul. Yeah, so I phoned up to speak to Cairns. To um, you've got 10 minutes of my time. So I go there. You talk about racism. He never knew I was black. Because when I, I don't know who the fuck he thought was going to walk in the door, but the look of shock on his <laughs> face was unbelievable. And in the room, there was Bonzi, Lou Macari... And um, somebody else of significance who was in it. anyway. So he's uh, this is um, Cairns. Yeah. So and Paul and his girlfriend. Yeah. Now wife. Who? Who? Um, who, who, who are you? Henry Brammer said I'm a, I'm Paul's lawyer. Yeah. And uh, and you who are you? I'm Paul's agent. Agent. I'm his employer. You know, we don't need this. I said, oh, really? You know, so I went to walk out the door and then Paul followed me and then Claire followed me and then Henry followed. No, oh, come back in here. Yeah. Um, so what what is this about? I said, um, he said, because I, I wouldn't sell Paul Inns for a million pounds. So What about two million? <laughs> he said, you think you can get two million pounds for Paul Inns? So I think we can get more than that. He said, okay. You got 48 hours. So now the 48 hours goes out. I phone Fergie. He, he he says to me that I know Terry Venables wants to sign. I said, look, I'm not playing any of them games. Yeah. Paul either stays at West Ham or he goes to Manchester United. There's nowhere else. Yeah. Paul's mis- quoted in something to saying, "I'll never play for West Ham again," and and which could have been corrected. I don't ever want to play for West Ham again. So. I phoned Terry Venable and said, "Tell, listen, I'm going to be straight with you. He ain't going anywhere else. Other than Manchester United, no need to waste your time. We now move forward to having agreed um, Manchester United were going to break the British transfer record twice in one day. Gary Pallister from Middlesbrough, uh, 2.5 million. And Paul Ince from West Ham to Manchester United for 2.7 million. So we go up early hours of the morning and um, Paul's in the local hotel and we then convene at the ground and we go up into the, it's all been agreed, subject to a medical, and um, we go into the boardroom where they're quaffing red wine. Mm. Fergie's saying he's going to be the fulcrum of, of my Manchester United mm. going forward. Martin um so matt Busby sitting sitting at the end of the table. Mm. And it was one of them fucking yeah, and out yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everyone's yeah, yeah. And um <laughs> but he he had the early stages of dementia. So he was in and out, you know, which is really, really it's really sad, but a wonderfully courteous man. Mm. And um So as as we're talking and regaling funny towels and everything, the door, knock on the door, and the door opens into the boardroom. Uh, Gaffer, can I have a word a minute? It's Fergie. So Fergie goes out. We carry on telling the punchlines. And um, the the door opens. Ambrose, could you come out here a sec? I thought, fuck, what's this about? So um, I looked at Fergie, who was welling up. I said, is there a problem? He said, the lad, Can I? the lad can't play football anymore I said what what do you mean he can't play football anymore he's got a pelvic problem I said where is he come down there we go down there Paul's fucking stupefied you know and and Claire's saying don't worry Paul we'll be okay we'll Mm. be okay we'll get through this so we've gone from elation to to disaster Mm. and then they start to explain things um, they were sitting in a room and uh, a guy comes in and says, uh, hey, lads, how you doing? And um, so, of course, they both go, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Gary, Gary Pernister, hey, Gary, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So you're looking forward to the move? Yeah, yeah, of course I am. Hey how, how you been? Like any knocks or whatever? Nope, nope. You know, elbows, knees. And, no, 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 nothing. No, I've never even had a cold. Never. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine saying, mm-hmm. in other words, shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never even had a cold. So what about you, Paul? Fuck me. Where do you want to start, Claire? Remember this. Remember that. Oh, no. Remember when we got this. Ah, oh, yeah. Remember, Paul, you couldn't walk. Yeah. I remember you, you, you were on science, so, and then the, the thing when you done your ankle. Yeah. You know, and that, but Paul. Remember the one like, you know, like with your groin and you know you couldn't you couldn't really walk and this that and the other. This is the fucking guy from Lloyd's of London, yeah. And um, anyway, so they've said to Paul, "Look, come out, laid him out on a physio's bench, dug him a couple of mm. times, and he's like, oh, oh, you know." So they know there's potentially yeah. something wrong. Yeah. So they 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 then decide to call the move off. So I went back to Fergie and said, "Listen, you you got me to promise that I wouldn't let Paul Ince." be bandied about with other agents Mm. and this that and the other you got me to promise it and i promised him that he's lost his dad you know literally in football john lyle yeah by the way do i mention john lyle raised paul i didn't know that yeah and not not after fucking west ham fans Mm. realize it Mm. either Mm. and um because paul grew up without a father Mm. so of course it scrapes and everything else he got into. Like Custom Auto and Mike Tyson. You've got it. Thing, isn't it. Yeah. He, no one's ever said that to mm. me, but that is exactly mm. what the situation was. Mm. And I'm sure if Paul was listening to that. He'd agree. Mm. And he, <laughs> anyway, he's now, they've taken him into this room. He's come out. So I've asked Fergie, listen, in other words, give us a break.
0: Yeah.
1: And he was all accommodating. He said, what do you want me to do? I said, look, I'm going to arrange for my office in London to find out who's the number one authority on pelvic region yeah. in this country and we'll rush him down to london now and uh and get him ready yeah and i'll keep in contact with you i'll let you know everything that's going on yeah. no problem whatsoever anyway so they've zoomed down and we zoomed down after them about half an hour and uh when i get to the wellington hospital the secure security is, is at the on the floor that we were at and um they're all private spaces and everything else. So I go and see Paul. Paul, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and what's happening? Well, we're flying this guy in. Oh, I forgot to tell you, they couldn't find someone here, but they found this Professor Monier, yeah. who flew in from 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 France. Mm. So they're tracking this all the time. He's coming in the city airport. So listen, Paul, when he comes in, he they, 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 they does. If he prods you in the fucking thing, just style it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: You know, you, you've got to just style yeah. it. All them fucking 60 40 tackles, you win. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what you are. He went, I ain't sure I can do this, to be quite honest. So I said, Paul, fuck's sake. You know, you definitely can. Just, just anyway, on, so yeah. they're telling us, and eventually the, we're at the point where the guy is pulling up outside. So we've got everybody ready to take this Professor Molnier. We're in a waiting area. And um, and then obviously he'll come up and begin the, the whole process of exams. One desperate last try, Paul, come on, for fuck's sake, you can do this. It's not, it ain't no big deal. Just, mm. just don't make any noises yeah. when they're prodding yeah. you or whatever. Because yeah, 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 yeah. then they're only going to fucking examine yeah. anything that's a perceived weakness. Yeah. He went, oh, I can't do it. I said, listen, you know what? Fucking get out of that bed. He got out of bed and I got in the bed. <laughs> and I did the medical. You're joking me. I did the medical. Is that right? And that's how Paul Lynch become England captain, Manchester United captain, <laughs> Wolves captain, Liverpool captain. I'm telling you, seriously. That is amazing.
0: Ambrose, mate, I've really, really, really enjoyed this. One of my favourite episodes. And uh, I really do appreciate you coming down from London to the uh, studio here, mate. Very much appreciated. It's
1: a pleasure. It really is. Yeah.